Good to see everybody today. Um, let's study for a minute and uh, look at God's word and ask him to help us learn something. Galatians 4 uh, verse 1 says this. Think of it this way. Paul's still in his, man, he's still in his letter and he's still in his communication and in his teaching to the Galatians about the difference between law and grace. That they were once under the law, but then Christ came, the coming of the child, which we're celebrating now and, and what we're talking about here at Christmas time. Uh, he comes and, and he ushers in uh, the grace of God. And, and so we don't need the law anymore. The law is there to point out our sin and to tell us uh, what we've done wrong and, and to kind of uh, reveal that to us, but it's not there to remedy our sin. It, uh, that is uh, salvation through grace uh, in Christ. And so uh, as Christ came and as the promised child came, uh, it changed the game. And Paul described the law as being like a guardian. So it's there to help us. It's there to guard us. It's there to support us in this time. It's there to show us what we do wrong and to help us live in the right way and not to abuse each other and hurt each other and harm each other and to live in society in a healthy and in a peaceable way as much as we can. But it, it does not and cannot and will not save. It does not rescue for our ultimate need, which is sin and the oppression of sin and death that comes along with that. That comes only through Christ and faith in him and salvation in him. So he said the law is like a guardian. It took care of you. It showed you what you were supposed to do, and it showed you that you're sinful, and it shows you the ways in which you can correct that uh, from, a, from a, a human perspective. So don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this, and, uh, and, and you can live uh, uh, in a healthy way, and, uh, and you can uh, live among other people in a healthy way. But uh, it, it's not the ultimate remedy for your sin. But then when the child came, the Bible says that, that uh, he became, and, and like we're going to see today, that Christ and God became our father in Christ. And so, so as we accept Jesus into our lives, the Bible says we were adopted into his family. We're like sons and daughters. So we're, we're like God's children. And so when you, have a, when, when you don't have need of a guardian anymore because you have a father. And, and because uh, guardianship is, is a wonderful thing on this earth and, and, and in the context of those that, that don't have family, and it is a beautiful thing, and it is the picture of Christ to provide guardianship for a child. But the ultimate uh, identity for that child and, and for everyone who is in Christ is that you are a, are a child of God and that he is your father. He is not your guardian. So when you, when you have a father, you don't need a guardian. So when you have grace, you don't need the law anymore. You don't need that to protect you, watch, watch over you, as it still does. But in grace, we can live within the law as free people and as those who are ultimately saved and rescued from our biggest need, and that is the sin that we were born into. And it's just who we are, and we need rescuing from, and we need a remedy for. And that's what grace does, and that's what salvation does. It does what the law cannot do. So we saw that the, the, the grace is greater than the law, that law doesn't negate grace, that, that, that the, the grace does what the law cannot do. And so, and then we saw at the end last week that, that with a father, we don't need a guardian. He continues here in this way with this family theme and this idea of God being our father in Christ and watching over us and saving us and rescuing us and helping us live for him. So in verse one, he says, think of it this way. So he's using another analogy. He used the analogy last week of a living will and how we're heirs and we have an inheritance uh, and, and we have that because you are God's child. And so we have access to this, to this will because we're with Jesus, to these things that he has given us and he's left us, this eternal life thing. 
So he continues with this in verse 1. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything the father has. So he says, think about it this way. Uh, If you are a child and your father has a large inheritance and he is leaving you that inheritance, you are still a child and you're not much different than even the slave that perhaps lives in that house. Remember, this is in, in ancient times. And so slaves oftentimes took care of the children. And so he's making the analogy that as a child, even though you have this incredible inheritance, and even though your father is going to leave you all this stuff, until he leaves it and gives it to you, you, by status, are really not much different or different at all from the slave until the father says you can have it. So he says, think of it this way. If he dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children, they're not much different than the slaves until they grow up, even though while they're children, they actually own this stuff that the father is going to give them. So they're, they're rich, they have the inheritance, but they haven't claimed it yet. And so because they haven't claimed it yet and don't have it yet, they're not much different than everybody else. Even though they have everything the father has. Verse 2, he says, while you're a child, you have to obey your guardians until you reach the age that your father sets. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And so we lived by the law. We tried to save ourselves. We were, we were, we were good religious people. We, we tried to get by on what we thought was best. And, and, and the law points out to us what's right and what's wrong. And, and we know what's right and what's wrong. And, and we try to our best to stay within that and to do that. But really at the end of the day, we were like children. Although, In Christ, we could have everything the Father owns. And we could have everything that he wants to give us. But we had to claim it. The Father sets that time in which he gives the inheritance. And until you claim it, you're no better than the slave who's living under the law as well. You don't have access to what the Father wants to give you. And he says you were like slaves to the basic principles of this world. You're no different than that. You're like a child who has an inheritance but hasn't claimed it yet. In verse 4 he says, but when the right time came, this is the good part, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. The woman, subject to the law. The woman, human in and of herself. The woman, not deity. The woman, not Jesus. The woman, not above Christ. The woman, not like Christ. The woman, under the law just like us. But when the right time came, he sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were, oops, who were slaves to the law so that we could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, or this Jewish saying, this saying that says, you're like, our dad. Now you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I want to read this one more time because I think this is important for us as we look at this for a second. 
And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. You have to obey your guardian. You are under the law, even though you have access to an inheritance from the Father. But it hasn't been claimed yet. And so, as people that don't have access to this inheritance in Christ, you're just like a child who hadn't gotten his father's inheritance yet. And that's the way it was before Christ came. You were like those children. You were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. You didn't get it. We didn't understand. We're just doing what we thought was best. But... Then Christmas came. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to that same law. So God is doing this, not man. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we're his children now, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. And not only do we have a relationship with the father, we have access to the father And we have his inheritance and what he wants to give us, and that is eternal life. And in doing that, we relate to him now through Christ as our father and not as a slave and not as someone who is estranged from him. And in verse 7, it says, you're no longer a slave. So don't act like that. But you're God's own child. And because you're his child, he has made that appointed time. And he has given you everything that he has. You now have the inheritance. It has been claimed in your relationship with Christ. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. Let's look at this first. That's pretty cool, right? there, There is something about the notion that I am a child of God. And that I am not just some estranged person who is trying to do good and do right and check boxes in my life so that he'll accept me. It is an incredible thought to think that the God who made me, the God of the universe, the God who made you, who loved you, who meticulously put you together, and and who cares about everything in your life, and you have significance and worth and value in him, that God, that God that is huge and big and beyond our scope of understanding oftentimes, that God relates to you in Christ as your dad. And so he nurtures and he cares and he responds and he helps and he guides and he corrects. And at the end of the day, he gives you his inheritance. He gives you eternal life and all that is his because you're his child. And that's what fathers do to their children. They give them what they have. What's interesting about us is even though we're, we, we tend to operate like the slave and not the child, we still think that we are under law and we still think we have to do things to earn the Father's praise and merit. And we have to do things to earn his approval. And we have to do things to earn his relationship. And so that's why oftentimes in our life, even though we are in Christ, we still think we have to go back and check the boxes and do all the religious stuff in order to be good and in order to make God love us or like us or do something for us. Paul said that is not the correct way in which to live. He said, because when you do that, you're not much better off than a slave because you have everything that the father has, but you're not acting like it. Because until you grow up, 
even though you actually own everything that the father had, you're not much different than the slave that doesn't have anything. Because you're negating and you're ignoring the fact that you do have everything and that he has given you everything and will ultimately give you everything and that's all you need. So don't stop acting like a slave and act like a child. Like you've got everything. So when you act like a child, like you have everything, then you operate with more freedom and more understanding of who your father is and more understanding of the relationship with him and more understanding of what he's done for you and what he will ultimately do for you. And so that brings us closer to that father. It allows us to have a more deep and personal relationship with that father when we're still trying to earn his trust, still trying to earn his merit, still trying to earn his favor, still trying to earn his approval, then we miss all that we have in him. And Paul says, that's not going forward, that's going backwards. He said, it's like you're reverting back to when you were a child, when you had no inheritance. Years ago, F. Scott Fitzgerald, the guy that wrote The Great Gatsby, wrote a short story called The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. About seven, eight years ago, something like that, they made a movie out of it. You guys remember this? I know the ladies do, Brad Pitt's in it. And so, um, so it's an interesting story where a man, played by Brad Pitt in the movie, is born, but he actually ages in reverse. So he's born an old man. And then he, he ages in the opposite way, and he goes back into infancy, and then he dies. Do you guys, did you guys see this movie? Um, or know anything about it? Okay. If not, that's kind of the, the crux of it. So um, if you were looking to see it, don't, bore, don't worry about it. Um, the uh, weird, right? I mean, strange, different. I mean, it's a different story, different narrative. Don't, don't see that every day. Don't read that every day. Curious case of Benjamin Button. What's interesting about this, this is the curious case of a legalist, or the curious case of someone who tries to to, to earn favor with God and, and tries to be religious instead of just through relationship with Christ and through his grace building a, a, a deep relationship with Christ and that being enough and that informing my life. Paul said, you're not much better off than, than the slaves. See, because kids were cared for by slaves. So no matter who the father was, the child was under supervision of and not much different than the slave. And they have to obey their guardians in verse 2 until they reach whatever age their father set. So the Galatians, and like us, we think when we're doing the right things and we're lining up the boxes and we're being religious, we think that we're growing and we're moving forward in our faith, but we're actually going backward. Paul said you're reverting back to when you were a slave, before you were set free. You're doing the things that you did when you were under a guardian. But you have a father now. And the Father loves you, and he has given you his inheritance. And so in order to move forward, you live in grace and relationship with the Father through Christ as if you have an inheritance. You don't age in reverse. So what a legalistic person does, and what we do when we become legalistic, is we're Benjamin Button. It's the curious case of, of a legalist. So we, we get saved, our life changes, and then we begin to age in reverse. We go back to what? The issue was for us before. And we forget about the fact that we have this new life and we have this new inheritance and we have this new relationship with God, our Father, through Christ. 
And instead of growing and moving forward, we go back to what we were doing before, and we're like Benjamin Button. We age in reverse. So we think, but we think we're growing. But Paul says at the end of the day, you're not growing and moving forward in your faith. You're actually going backwards. You're going backward to being what you were under the law. But you've been, you've been rescued from that. You've been freed from that. You've been given this new lease of life. You're, you're living as a child who has an inheritance versus someone who's got to measure up. Don't age in reverse. The thing about legalism, and I grew up in it, and I wasn't a believer. I didn't know Christ. But the thing about it is, is that you can never measure up. You can't do enough. You can't say enough prayers. You can't go to church enough. You can't, you, you just, there's no, no such thing as good enough. But what's interesting about that is that you work so hard, and then, and then at some point you realize that it's not going to work out. And then you walk away from it and you abandon it like I did. And the thing about legalism, even as an adult, and when we try to do this, is that it just doesn't ever quite work out for us. And oftentimes we, we end up just walking away. Or as a legalist, we do things over and over and over again, thinking they're the right thing for us to do, and we end up going in the wrong direction. And we end up just being really good at doing things. And we have no relationship with Jesus. And that's how I was. I was really good at checking the boxes. You know, for me, it was cutting your hair the right way, and wearing the right clothes, and not going to the movies, and, and um, not, you know, for others, it, it's, it's just all kinds of different things that we do. I don't, I don't know what all we think we're supposed to do as legalists, but that doesn't help us grow in our relationship with Christ. That actually moves us back toward the law, and actually we regress in our relationship with Christ, because it's not about Jesus at all. It's about us. And it's about us trying to get a hold of an inheritance that we have in Christ, but we live and act like we don't have it. And so even though we've been set free, and the point is, the natural thing, right, is for us to grow. It is a natural thing to grow. In this world, when something is not growing, what is it doing? It's dying. If something is not growing in the right way, and as human beings, if we're not growing in the right way, what do medically we call that? Do you guys know? We call that something that is abnormal. It's, it's not right. It's not healthy. So that's why the curious case of Benjamin Button is, is a strange story, because that makes no sense for someone to be born an old man and then to, to age in reverse. But yet, for us, it, it should make no sense for us to be saved in Christ and to have this relationship with God and then want to go back to what we were trying to do to earn God's favor before anyway when we're a child and not a slave and we have everything that he has, but we're going back to this and aging in reverse. So really, he says, you, you think you're religious, you think you're good, but, but you're really not. You're wandering around in the wrong direction. I remember I had a friend of mine uh, in Louisville who was a, a, a pilot and he used to fly airplanes. He told me this one story um, where his buddy was a U.S. Airways pilot. And something happened with their navigational system. And they were really off course. And they were flying for a while in the wrong direction. And he said, now watch this. Now think about this. When we're, this in, in regards to legalism and trying to measure up when we have the inheritance. We have a relationship with Christ. And that alone should bring freedom and hope in our lives. And should move us toward right living. And we're, we're trying to go backwards and do what we were doing before we even knew him, aging in reverse, going in the wrong direction. 
Think about this idea in regards to this. He said they're flying the wrong direction. And he said then they realized it. And then his buddy or his co-pilot or whatever came over the loudspeaker and said, guys, our navigator has lost position. And we have been flying aimlessly for over an hour. That's the bad news. The good news is, is that we're making very good time. So, so what's interesting about being a legalist and, 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 and wanting to measure up is, man, we can get really good at going in the wrong direction. You can get really good at all the check boxes and all the things that we think we do well. Hey, I go to church every Sunday. I, I, I say these particular prayers or, or I do this or I'm a nice person or I give it once or twice a year to a certain charitable organization or, or to a certain thing or, or man, I, I, I treat this person with respect and hey, I, I've never committed a crime, I've never killed anybody and, and whatever criteria that we have that we think makes us measure up to God accepting us, you can get really good at that. And in fact, you can get incredible at it. In fact, you can get so good at it, other people want to join you. There are whole places and whole churches and whole communities where they're just all pulling in the wrong direction at the same time, but they're making good time. They're just going in the wrong direction. They're aging in reverse. And nowhere in this is a vibrant, real relationship with Jesus and the Father who gives us the inheritance. Everything he has is ours in him. But we're just too busy setting the wrong course, going in the wrong direction, growing in reverse. But man, we're making good time getting there. (laughs) And what's amazing about that journey is as we make good time going in the wrong direction and we're really good at it, oftentimes at the end of that road, uh, we quit anyway. Because it doesn't quite ever work out. Paul said, folks, he's talking to Galatians and he's talking to us. He said, folks, here's the bottom line. Uh, The child came. The promised child. And he grew up. He died for your sins. And he ascended into heaven. And, And this was all in the same age. Remember, he's talking to some people that saw Jesus alive. And so he said, hey, this has been done for you. You, you were estranged before. You, 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 had, you were wandering around. You had no family. And God, through Christ, adopted you into his family. You were his child. You were a son and daughter of God. He is your father. You cry out to him, Dad, Abba, Father. This is the relationship that you have with him. This is what he's done for you. And he has an inheritance. And his inheritance is vast and eternal and, and more than you can ask or think, the Bible says. And that is for you. You are his child. But because you don't realize who your daddy is, and you don't realize what you have, you want to go back to the law before, and you want to be under the guardian, and you want to act like a slave. You want to go in reverse. And you want to age in reverse. And you want to fly in the wrong direction and make really good time. And he basically just says, stop. Everything that you need is in Christ. And now that you have that, the Father has set the time in which you will have the inheritance. And you have it. So start living your life like you're a child, like you have a daddy who loves you and that you can cry out to and who cares for you and has given you everything 
that he has. So in your decision making and in your worship and in your relationships and in definitely in your service and in loving other people and giving and all of this, act like a child who has an inheritance, not a slave who is estranged. And so act and live in freedom. Act and live with hope. Act and live with the wisdom that your father gives you and tells you. Don't go aimlessly in the wrong direction. And now that you have been born again and you're supposed a healthy person grows in that direction, don't go back and age in reverse. That's abnormal. It's unhealthy. So he says, stop it. What should happen for us, and I, I could never quite reconcile this, as a, certainly as a kid, and then when I got saved, I struggled with it. I struggled with what this legalistic piece meant and how I would do that now that I knew Jesus. And I had people telling me, oh, you're a child now, and, and oh, you're, you have an inheritance, and, and grace is for you, and, 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 and freedom is for you, and all this. I'm like, oh, that sounds all really good, but like, how, do I, how do I reconcile this with serving God? How does that not become legalistic? And as I study the scriptures, and as I look, this is not going to be profound. You're not going to walk out here going, wow. This is really practical for me. And as I understand God's grace for me and his salvation in my life, is that I don't fly, if I'm flying in the right direction, and I'm doing it with God's help, he's guiding me, not me. So my navigational system is him, not myself. And so when I use him as my navigational system, I don't get off course. I fly in the right direction. And I do the things that I'm supposed to do. It is the grace of God. It is the power of God. It is faith in him and, allow, and the relationship with him and knowing him that allows me to move and grow and live in the right direction. And as I move and grow and live, I will do the things that he desires for me to do because I have a relationship with him, not because I think I'm supposed to do them. Because he's my father. And he loves me. And he's shown me love and grace and mercy and compassion and care that my earthly father never did. And never has and never could. Because he's not Abba Father. He is not my heavenly father. He did not send his son to die for me so that I could have this relationship with him. And so that father, that kind of dad for us, I desire to know him. I desire to have a relationship with him. I desire to do what he's asking me to do. I desire to know him more. And as I walk with him and know him and communicate and live for him, he tells me and shows me what I'm supposed to do, going in the right direction for the right reason. And it's not out of obligation. We do things out of obligation for guardians. We do things out of love and faith and understanding and joy for fathers like God. He says you're going in the wrong direction. 
Remember in Galatians 3, 1, where he says, foolish Galatians, who's, who's cast a spell on you? This makes no sense. Why would you walk in the wrong direction? Why would you go back to what you were enslaved by? Why would you go back and give up your inheritance? Don't do that. He says, this is the way it was before we came to Christ. We were like children. We were slaves to the spiritual principles. We didn't know. We didn't know that we didn't know. But now you know. So don't go back to it. Don't go in the wrong direction. Don't fly in the wrong direction just because you think that's right. It's not a step toward maturity. It's actually a jump back into infancy. Ah, but verse four, the father. But when the right time came, God sent his son. Born of a woman, she was subject to the law. This was God's doing. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. So I'm, that sounds good to me. Bought my freedom through Christ. So that he could adopt us as his children. And because we are his children, God sent his spirit into our hearts, prompting us to call out. Notice here that the prompt is for us, not for him. He's already reached to us in Christ. Didn't have to, did it because he desired to, and he loves us. So what God has done for us, what the Father has done for us, should prompt something in us. And what it should ultimately prompt us is for that relationship with him. This wording, Abba, Father, cries of nothing more, speaks of nothing more, and communicates of nothing more than having a real personal relationship with this Father, with this God. And when you have this real, vibrant relationship with this God, you're no longer a slave. Is your father, you're God's own child. And since you are his child, Guess what? God has made you an heir. You get that inheritance. You get eternal life. You get God. So through Christ, you have everything you need. Not only do you have everything you need, you have the right. We're children of God by faith in Christ. And part of his family with what? All the rights and privileges that comes with it. That comes with being God's child. It's a pretty cool thought. When I graduated from college, I got a degree. And on that degree, and I'm sure those of you who went to college or you've passed some certification or whatever, or who knows, uh, trade school, whatever, uh, they give you a little piece of paper. Doesn't mean much other than you know, hey, you finished, good job. And um, go get a job now. Go use this in some way. Good luck. Um, and it tells you you're a graduate, and it says your name, it's all nice. And uh, it says that, the, in the language in there, it, it always says um, that you are a graduate of this school, and, you, and, and of this degree, and you earn this degree, and you have all the what? The rights and privileges appertaining a very fancy way of saying because you're a graduate of this fine institution you have everything that comes along with being affiliated and with being here you have all the rights and privileges now I don't know about that but in this particular case it is true and real and eternal 
Because when you are a child of God by faith in Christ and part of his family, you have all the rights and privileges appertaining. And in being affiliated and having a relationship and being his child gives you access to it all. And so people that realize they are children, not slaves, that they have a father, not a guardian, and that they have access and all the understanding and peace and joy and hope that comes with knowing you are a child of God and that if nothing else, have eternal life and that he wants you to live an abundant life here, that person goes in the right direction. That person grows in a healthy way. That person lives their life with that understanding. That person does relationships with that understanding as a child. That person interacts in their marriage as a child, not a slave, a child of God. That person interacts with their friends as a child of God. That person lives in the world and tries to make an impact and a difference as a child of God with all the rights and privileges appertaining. That person has been adopted and I know it and that father has done more for me than I could ever do for my child as a father my father ever did for me, and if you're a father in here, you have a father they've ever done for you. And so the relationship that we have with this father and that prompts us to call out Abba, Dad, helps us move in the right direction out of love for him and faith in him and not obligation to think we're supposed to do X, Y, Z. Because if you move in obligation, you'll quit at some point. If you move out of love and faith and he navigates you, you'll keep going. And you'll go in the right direction. He adopted us into his family. I'm thankful for that. I love the picture of adoption. Don't you? One of the most unbelievable pictures of this I ever saw live with my own eyes was in our church in Charlotte. We were serving there. I was telling a funny story last night to some friends about a hospital mishap that I had one time on a hospital visit at this particular church. And uh, it was a larger church. And when I went on staff there, I, um, we got on a rotation. And um, I carried some of the lion's share for my team and, and of going to the hospital. And, and I, you know, the hospital's not fun to go to, especially if, if someone's dying or, or there's a, a really tough situation. But sometimes it can be the greatest moments of, that you can share with a person. Uh, and pray for them and, and help them, and it, it, it grows you as a person. And I remember uh, I got assigned to go see this man, or was asked to go see this man who was dying of brain cancer. And uh, his children and his wife went to the church as well, four kids. And uh, he was pretty some late stages, and he was in a bad way. And when I met him, he was still in his right mind, and he was still lucid, and he could still carry on a conversation. And he had this amazing life. They had lived in the Pacific Northwest, and he'd actually been in ministry for a while, and and then he started running a business, and, and uh, he just kind of, his life took these different turns, and somehow they end up in Charlotte, and, um, you know, things didn't go as he had planned, and he was talking about that a lot. And, and so I would just go and see this man, and we'd just sit and talk, and I'd pray with him, and uh, I would just listen to him. After a while, he started to digress. And so when I would go up there, the conversations would be a little more awkward and a little more difficult to navigate because he, was, he had brain cancer, he was losing the functioning of his brain. And uh, 
remember one particular time that was so offsetting for me. Um, I got off the elevator, and he, his morphine was at the end of its uh, kind of cycle. And, uh, um, I mean, he was making noises that I, I, I've never heard a human being make, and I don't know if I ever have again. And so it was very challenging, very difficult. And uh, about three weeks later, he died. And I remember we had uh, this funeral at the church, and uh, it, was a, it was a celebration, the, the man knew Christ, and so there it was, you know, the inheritance and all that he had in, in Christ. He was God's child. And, and uh, so it was a celebration of his life, and, but obviously it's somber, you know, for his, those left behind. Funerals are for people left behind. You know that, right? And so I just remember me and Bonnie were walking toward the door, and uh, we were going to go to the graveside. And he had, at the time, he had a 12-year-old daughter. And she was this little petite little thing. And she was sobbing uncontrollably. And Bonnie and I were walking this way, and she was kind of coming this way. And there were some other people walking, kind of converging on the door. And I kind of turned, and me and Bonnie were going to kind of go over to comfort her. She just kind of somehow got left on her own. And as we started this way, this man from the church, who now lives in Nicaragua as a missionary, and he came over to her and he just picked her up. And he held her like a baby, like a child. And you know what he said to her? I'll never forget this. He said, don't worry, honey. I'll be your dad. And then he did. He and his wife and his sons, who are now all grown, they, they basically adopted them as their own. And, and they poured their lives into her. And she's now grown and has a child and is married and all this stuff. But I thought, I've never seen a more tangible picture of what Christ did for us and what God did for us. We were like slaves. We were estranged and didn't know any better and we got this inheritance, but, but, but we're, we're no better than, than, than those that don't because we, we don't act like it. We don't realize we have a father who scooped us up and, and, and through Christ said, I love you. I'll be your dad. And you know what? Not only will I be your dad, everything I have is yours. I'll give it to you. All the rights and privileges appertaining. And that's what he did for you. And that's what he did for me. He scooped you up. He said, don't, don't worry, buddy. Don't worry, honey. I'll be your dad. And it makes absolutely no sense for those who are in Christ who have been scooped up by dad to want to go back and be a slave and live and worship and serve and do our lives in reverse and in the wrong direction. To forsake the relationship with that kind of dad. To not want to talk to him, to not want to be near him, to not want to listen to what he says, to not want to do anything in regards to him whatsoever. It just makes no sense. It's as crazy as a, as a, a guy being born as an old man and dying as an infant. That's what Paul said. He said, it's ludicrous. Stop. 
John 1.12 says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You, if you're in Christ, are a child of God. And he wants you to grow in the right direction because of your relationship with him. He scooped you up. He's got you from here on out. Let's pray.